0: If you'll remember the last time we were together last week, we considered what we thought may be one of the most important commands in all of the pages of Scripture. It was supremely important. And it was the command that we found at the end of verse 18 in Ephesians chapter 5. And so I'm going to just take you there, and I'm going to read this for you this morning, and you can follow along. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but, and here comes the command, be filled with the Spirit. So we noted as we approached this verse, We noted that without the filling of the Holy Spirit, we have absolutely no capacity to do the things that Paul tells us make us distinct from people who don't know God. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, we are unable to walk around in a way that is worthy of the calling of people of our position. That's what the Bible teaches us. And if we're to do that, if we're to walk around as people who are worthy of the calling of people of our position, then we must do it, and we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit as He is at work within us. We could never consistently sacrifice our own desires. We could never consistently sacrifice our own self-gratification to humbly and gently sacrificially serve people around us without the power of the Holy Spirit. We just can't do that. Our human nature doesn't allow for that. We could never consistently speak the right words of encouragement and grace to be uplifting and to be an encouragement to those around us at precisely the right moment without the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do those things. And so we learn that we must be being continually made full of the Holy Spirit. That's what the language tells us. And then we considered at some length what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, we came to understand, is to be led or to be thrust forward by Him. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be led or to be thrust forward by the Holy Spirit. Friends, listen. It is to be guided by the Word of God. It is to fill your minds with the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to take the words that He inspired and lead you and thrust you forward under His power. It is to be controlled by the Spirit and the Word to the point that our thinking and to the point that our behavioral patterns are changed in the same way that they are changed when we fill ourselves with wine and other alcohol. Do you remember? We spoke about that. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to do things that you otherwise would not do. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be attendant evidence and there will be attendant signs and there will be evidence that bear witness to the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive in you. It's important for us to understand that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there are things that you can point to that make it evident that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in you. And it's important for you to know that. It's important for you to have a confidence that that is true because later in the book of Ephesians, you're going to need that. As we get a little bit further, you're going to find out that you are in a battle with principalities and we need to be prepared to deal with them and we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that you are able to accomplish His will and His purpose in your life as you are filled with the Spirit. And so beginning today, Paul is going to help us understand the evidence of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit so that you may have confidence and that you may know that the Spirit is alive and well in you. But for now... As we get started, Paul is going to give us three evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're only going to deal with one of those, but I want to show you those three evidences. They are these praise, thanksgiving and submission to one another. That's what you're going to see as we move forward. So today we're going to deal with just praise. If we could do that, but you know, there's just something about music, isn't there? Music is, is really amazing. It, it has the ability to, to soothe the human soul, doesn't it? There's just something incredible about music. Its impact on humanity is absolutely profound. In fact, if you think about it. Everywhere you turn, there is music, isn't there? I mean, when you wake up in the morning and your cell phone goes off, what is the first thing that you hear? Music, right? I've got a little tune that's playing on my cell phone to wake me up in the morning. So I wake up to music. There's music everywhere. Then I get up and I get ready. And if you're anything like me, you get in the car and you start driving to work. And what do you hear as you're driving to work? You hear music. You get in your car and music begins to play. And when you get to work, you sit down in your office and probably you can hear music playing in the background, can't you? You can probably hear some sort of music playing all day long. There's music in restaurants. There's, there's music in shopping malls. There's music on television commercials. There's music at weddings. There's music at funerals. There's music at sporting events. Constantly, people are pumping their ears full of music, aren't they? In fact... It was really interesting. My wife and I went out to dinner with my family, with my parents when they were here a couple of weeks ago, and as we sat in this really nice restaurant, we noticed that a family came in, and there was a teenage girl who was wearing AirPods the whole entire time during this meal with her family, with her head down, pumping her ears full of music. Everywhere we go, we have AirPods, we have Beats, something pumping music into our minds. Isn't that true? Everywhere you go. But even though there's music for every single emotion in every single occasion I think my personal favorite is the music that I hear coming out of the showers in my home that's one of my that's one of my absolute favorites I mean think about it <laughs> my family loves to make music while they're in the shower I mean, how could you not love to make music when you're in the shower, right? I know that you guys aren't raising your hand, but I know it's true probably of all of you. I mean, think about it. How could you not want to make music when you're in a shower? The acoustics are outstanding, aren't they? I mean, the acoustics in the shower are great. The, the shampoo bottle makes a perfect microphone. I mean, it's great. And I've noticed that when I am in the shower, man, I am fantastic. Seriously, I can, when I'm in the shower, I can really sing. And and a lot of times, I always think to myself, you know, when I get out of the shower, there is no doubt that my wife is going to catch me and ask me to be on the worship team. I just know that she is. (laughs) And so, somehow, I think for the last 18 years, she's never heard me sing when I'm in the shower, because if she did, she would probably have already asked me, and she's never done that. But if you're like me, you like to sing in the shower, right? But do you know, as I looked into it, I found that there are several emotional and physiological and psychological reasons that people like to sing. There are many reasons. But the number one most common thing that motivates people to sing and to make music, do you know what it is? It's joy. People like to sing and make music when they're happy. Have you ever known someone who would begin to sing or whistle when they were in a good mood? I have. You know the ones that drive me crazy are the ones that are able to do that first thing in the morning, right? They wake up and they're full of joy and they're just singing and they're whistling. I'm like, you gotta give me an hour or two before I'm ready for that. But it's joy. And when our hearts are filled with joy, we like to sing. And when we're happy, we like to sing. And so with a world full of music and with a world full of singing, friends, I want you to know that we should not be surprised to hear Paul say that Christians, those people who have the greatest reason to be joyful, should be filled with singing. Do you know that? We have much to be happy about. We have the greatest reason to be filled with joy. And if people sing when they're happy, when they sing when they're filled with joy, Christians have the greatest reason to sing, don't they? Christians have the greatest reason to be joyful. Christians have the greatest reason to be joyful. But I think what is most interesting is not the fact that Christians should sing and that they should make music. But as I went through the passage for today, what was most interesting to me was the nature and the content of their music which stood out to me. And I want to share that with you. So if I could take you back to Ephesians 5, 18, and we're going to just begin by understanding the last part of 18, and then we're going to move into verse 19. But follow along with me. This is what it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Do you see that? So be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. So I want to take a few minutes this morning if I could do that. And I want to unpack all of the words that are here in verse 19 to make sure that we have a proper understanding of this very, very important concept. It's super important that we get this. So now the words that are translated here, addressing one another, would be very well translated if we had said continually, you're going to love this, continually chatting and continually... Chattering or making noise among yourselves, do you see? So we should be continually chattering and making noise among ourselves. It's interesting to me that as Paul speaks about the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing that he mentions is that people are continually chattering and making noise among themselves. Isn't that interesting? Think about that for a minute. Can you feel the sense of community in that? As you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the community, the church community begins to chatter and to make noise together and to chat around together. Can you just feel the sense of community? You know what? That sounds a lot to me like what we do before service every Sunday, doesn't it? It sounds a lot to me like what the first half of Life Group is all about, doesn't it to you? Doesn't that sound like what the meet and greet time is? I mean, people are just moving around and they're chattering and they're making noise and all of this noise is coming from hearts that are filled with joy because we have salvation in our lives. Are you able to picture that? Think about that for a moment. Believers in the body just walking around and chattering among themselves, making noise among themselves together. But friends, listen. Believers who are filled, believers who are thrust along, believers who are led by the Spirit enjoy continually chattering and making noise among themselves with other believers in the church body. See, they're talking, they're laughing, they're filled with joy, they're having fun. Don't you love that about our church community? Don't you love that we're able to engage one another and laugh and have fun and and we're filled with joy and it's just fun to chatter and to hang out and make noise with one another? Talking, laughing... You see, listen, friends, this is the unity of the Spirit that Paul was talking about in chapter 4. People who have the common bond of being baptized into the body and being filled with the Spirit enjoy the fellowship and the community of other believers. That's just what you do. You enjoy the community of other believers. They stay together, chattering and chatting and making noise and building one another up. So if you're a believer and you're thrust along by the Spirit, this should come naturally right out of you. It should just flow right out of you. I understand that many people are a little bit shy, and maybe they're a little bit timid in the public setting, and they may feel, if you're anything like me, you feel sometimes a little bit socially awkward at times. But chattering and making noise among other believers is a natural expression of the Spirit at work inside of you. Did you know that? So if I may pause... To just make a plug here, a shameless plug, I want to encourage you, if you are not involved in a life group, get involved. Get involved and build that sense of community. It starts back up next month. We've got five of them that are going to be around the area. And if you're not involved, get in and begin to develop that sense of fellowship and that sense of friendship with other believers. It is very important for you to have that as spirit-filled believers to share that joy with your brothers and sisters. But I want you to know that it's not just noise. I'm not just talking about noise here. There's more to it than that. I'd like to explain that to you. If you'll just hang with me for a moment, I want to help you understand this. I want you to know that in the Greek language, there's this case that is known as the dative case. And one of the many functions of the dative case is to help us understand the instrument or the tool by which an action takes place, okay? Just hold on to that. What you're about to see now, coming in the verse ahead of us, is this use in in the Greek of what we call the dative of instrument. This is very important. So, what the grammatical structure is going to try to tell us here in this verse is that the chattering and that the noise that takes place among spirit filled believers happens by the use of this series of tools or instruments that follows. Do you understand? So, think about it. What are the tools? What are the instruments of noise? What are the instruments of chatter? What's all the noise about? What's all the chatter about? I want to take you back to verse 19 and I want to see if you can identify those. What does it say? in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now this is a very very important part of verse 19. So I want you to hang with me because these are the tools that are causing the noise. These are the instruments that are causing the chattering that is taking place in the church among the believers. The instruments are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I want to take a minute to help you understand what each of those means. The word psalm here is the Greek word psalmos and it literally means a tuned a tune that is played on a stringed instrument. You see? a tune that is played on a stringed instrument. Isn't that interesting? Do we have stringed instruments? Do you know the piano was originally a stringed instrument and we kind of made it electrical and it's even cooler now than it was then. But guitars, harps, you name it. We don't play harps, but one day I will, I hope. (laughs) But listen, a psalm literally means a tune that is played to a stringed instrument. The Psalms of the Old Testament were songs that were to be accompanied by stringed instruments. That's what they were. Now listen, what was the content of the Psalms in the Old Testament? If you were to take a look at the Old Testament Psalms and take a thousand foot view of that, What you're going to find, these psalms, which are often sung and put to music among God's people, you would find that, kids, the overarching theme of the psalms can be summed up this way. God's great nature and God's great works. It is God's great nature and God's great works. So listen to me, friends. The Psalms then were those those things which described the great nature and the great works of God, and they were put to music to the accompaniment of stringed instruments. Isn't that interesting? So the first way that the heart of the Spirit-filled believer will begin to express itself is in declaring the great nature and the great works of God and putting them to music and singing them and playing them on stringed instruments and just letting it out and declaring the greatness of God and the mighty deeds that He has done and all of His great works. And that is the first expression of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who is thrust forward by the Holy Spirit, and who is led by the Holy Spirit. Don't you love the content of the song here? Isn't it great? It declares the greatness of God. It declares the greatness of the nature of God. And I would take you now to the next tool or to the next instrument if I could. And it's the word hymns. And the Greek word for this is hymnos. And this word, I love this, is used as an ode in praise or in honor of the gods. It was an ode in praise or in honor of the gods. So more simply stated, kids. A hymn is a song of praise. That's all it is. A hymn is a song of praise. Now some commentaries will try to tell us that to the early church it primarily focused around the redemptive work of of Christ. I'm not sure that we can make the language support that, but here's the truth. The truth is that it certainly would have been a fitting use of a hymn, wouldn't it, in the New Testament church to talk about the redemptive work of Christ? It would certainly be a fitting use of a hymn today But you can be sure that as believers, we are to make noise in the form of songs of praise to God. Do you know that we sing hymns all the time? You may not do it from a hardback hymnal that you'll find beneath the seat in front of you. But we consistently sing songs of praise, don't we? That's what a hymn is. We're singing songs of praise. And then there are the spiritual songs, which is the next thing in verse 19, which is really, I think, a good translation. It just refers to what we've already discussed. Songs that are characterized by spiritual things. That's what that means. It's talking about songs about God. Some people may think that it's testimonials. I don't think that it really needs to be anything more than songs about spiritual things. So now listen, all of that to tell you this. The Spirit-filled believer in the church, the Spirit-filled believer in the church begin with the expression of noise and chattering among themselves which comes in the form of singing and playing music about God's great nature and about His great works. And it begins with singing praise to God and declaring how great and how awesome He is, declaring that there is no God like our God, declaring that there is no one like our God, there is no one majestic like our God, there is no one glorious like our God. Do you see that? That's the expression of a thankful heart. That's the expression of a Spirit-filled heart of joy. It's amazing to me. Do you see the content? The music is to be God-honoring. The music is to be God-reverent in the church. The music is to be God-exalting. Kids... The music of the church should be God-honoring and God-exalting. It's important for us to know that. Our music should honor and exalt God. It's all about God. It's all about His nature. It's all about His character. And it's all about His mighty works. And then, and one of the most key statements, I want us to see this in verse 19. This is what it says. Singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Friends, the noise and the music the declaration of God's greatness, all of the praise, all of the honor, the skillful playing of instruments, the singing, all of it is directed toward whom? What does it say here? It says we sing unto the Lord. Do you see that? Making melody to the Lord. It's all to the Lord, friends. Everything must be to the Lord. The music, the singing, the noise is always directed upward. Do you see that? It's always directed to God. We would say that this is what? God-focused. It's always looking upward and it's declaring the greatness of God. Kids, the music of the church must always be God-focused. you see? It must always be God-focused if it's going to be the expression of a Spirit-filled heart. And so I think it's good for us to pause here, if I could, just for a little bit of reflection. You know, I feel like we are truly blessed at Root River Church to have just a wonderful worship team that is filled with very good vocalists and good musicians. And I'm pleased to say that I know that our music director shares my heart for praise and worship. I know that she does. We talk about it all the time. I want you to know that she spends a great deal of time making sure that she carefully prays through the song selection for services every week. And you're going to notice that the content of the songs that we sing here follow the biblical pattern, don't they? Did you notice what we sang this morning? It follows the biblical pattern. She deliberately chooses songs that declare the greatness of God's nature. She deliberately chooses songs that declare the greatness of God's works. She's intentional in choosing songs that offer praise unto God by declaring how great and how awesome He is, friends. We declare His mighty works. We declare the great things that He has done. So it is very clearly following the biblical pattern, and I'm thankful for that, aren't you? But I also want to challenge everybody else that's here this morning. In fact, I want to challenge everybody from the worship team members to each of you that are seated here this morning. And I want to ask that you examine yourselves. And that you think this through. Examine yourselves. I would like to ask you to ask yourselves, to whom am I singing and making a melody? The reason that's important is because in a church where you have such talented people leading in praise and worship, I think it can sometimes become easy to allow those people who are standing in front of us doing that to direct their singing and playing to us. Did you catch that? I think a lot of times that's what happens. It sometimes becomes easy to allow ourselves to be spectators. It sometimes becomes easy for us to allow ourselves to be people who just stand around and watch rather than people who are uniting together as a body to make one united noise to God. See, the role of the worship team, I want you to understand, the role of our worship team is not to entertain you. The role of our worship team is not to perform for the people in the room. It is not their job to offer praise to God on your behalf. That's not why they're here. The role of the worship team is to help you to align your expression of singing and to align your expression of praise with theirs so that we as one united church body can collectively bring praise out as one united body that as loud and is strong and it's one united voice to God singing praise and declaring his mighty works. That's their role. Their role is not to do that for you. Their role is to align your worship so that we all sing the same thing in unison at one time, bringing praise to God in a way that is loud and powerful. So I want you to know that if you come here and you just stand around and allow the worship team to sing to you, or if you just come here and you stand around and you allow the worship team to sing to God on your behalf while you stand and watch, I want you to know you're not offering God the biblical pattern of worship. You're not biblical pattern of the spirit-filled believer is to sing in a united voice with the rest of the body declaring the greatness to God. Kids, every single member of the body is to be making noise to God collectively. Can I say that again? Every single member of the body is to be making noise to God collectively. And all the worship team does is they just keep us all on the same page so that we can offer one big loud voice to God together. Do you know how important that is? Can you imagine if we all just came together and began to sing our own thing and began to do our own songs? That It would create the kind of confusion that they had in the Corinthian church where everybody just had something to say and they got up and just started saying stuff and you got this person singing this thing and you got that person singing that thing and somebody else singing something else. The point is that we have them up here so that they can lead us and unite us and guide us together in worship to God in one united and single voice. And so I think it's good for us to pause and to think about that. And so I'd also like to pause and address the members of the worship team if I could do that this morning. Worship team members, I want you to remember that you are not singing to this group of people. You are not playing to this group of people. No matter how big the room is, that's not what you're doing. Your presence and your posture as you stand before the assembly should direct attention to God and God alone. Do you understand? If you are standing before the assembly, your presence and your posture should only direct attention to God. You should never be a distraction. Your ability to play your instrument and to sing must never draw attention to you. It's not a concert. You're not performing. You are worshiping. And you must never be a distraction because the praise all goes upward. I can remember how saddened I was one time in my heart when I attended a service at a church where they had just many wonderfully skilled musicians, wonderfully skilled vocalists, and they were absolutely fantastic. But what saddened my heart was that the vocalists had choreographed movements where they would, at a particular point in the song, run across the stage while the strobe lights and the spotlights are shining on them, and they would find a new place in the stage and begin to sing there. And then at another point in the song, they would all take off running again and go to the other side of the stage. And you know what? It was a huge distraction. It was an absolutely huge distraction. And you know what I thought to myself as I saw it? I thought, wow, these singers are really good. How are they able to keep their pitch as they're dashing across the stage? How are they able to do that? That's what I thought. So do you see what happened? Their behavior drew my attention away from whom? From God. Their posture drew my attention away from God and it placed my attention and my praise on the people who were singing and dashing across the stage. Do you see that? Amid all the lights. It was a huge distraction. And so they are the ones who received all the glory. They were the ones who received all the praise as I looked at them and said, wow, these guys are fantastic. And I want you to know, friends, that's really popular right now. Do you know that? I mean, that's hip. That's happening right now. That's the way it is. People all across the world will run to churches where they hope to be dazzled by that kind of entertainment. They run to churches where they hope to be dazzled by that kind of music and that kind of a light show and that kind of a performance. But I want you to know that it does not glorify God. It does not glorify God. In fact, it is a detractor from the glory of God because it turns people into performers and it turns people into spectators and it fails to fulfill the role of worship leading which is to align the heart of the worshiper so that it may offer one united sacrificial voice of praise unto God. It's not the biblical pattern. And I want you to know that's not the pattern that we're going to follow here. We're not doing that. So my challenge to all of you sitting here today is to sing your song and sing it to the Lord. Don't sing it to the people in front of you. Don't sing it to the people sitting beside you. Sing your song and make it a sacrifice to the Lord. Sing it unto the Lord. Clap your hands. Sing at the top of your voice, bringing praise and honor to God, making noise and lifting Him up. Psalm 98 four says, Make what kind of a noise? Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Psalm 100 verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with what? With singing. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and He is greatly to be praised. And let your Let your joy, let the joy of your salvation find its expression in the noise of songs of praise and exaltation directed toward God. Allow the filling of the Spirit to thrust you forward into expressing your gratitude and your love and your joy for the awesome and mighty God that you serve. Sing unto the Lord, for great is the Lord, and He is mighty, and He is greatly to be praised. Don't sit back in your chair and watch. Don't stand back and be entertained. Don't let someone else sing your praise to God on your behalf. Make a joyful noise. Sing to Him. Let it go. I said this morning, let it rip. And somebody said, you don't want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But maybe you're just a little bit shy. Maybe you're Afraid that the people around you might hear you singing. Maybe they're going to think, wow, that guy is really bad. And I think there are a lot of people who are afraid that the people may hear them and laugh at them. They may laugh at their expression of praise. But can I encourage you with something? I want you to know that your praise is not directed to the people sitting next to you. Your praise is directed to God, isn't it? It's directed to God. And how does He want you to do it? Take a look at the last part of verse 19. Singing and making melody to the Lord. How? With all your heart. He says, do it with all your heart, friends. If your praise, if the song that you sing comes from the pure motives of a heart that is right before God, your loud singing will be a pleasing offering to Him, even if your pitch sometimes offends the people around you. It's the heart that God is after. It's the heart that God is looking on. God despises the songs of even the most skilled and talented people if they don't spring forth from a heart that is right before God. He despises that. So if you come to church, friends, and you are angry at God, if you come to church and you are angry or holding ill feelings toward another believer and you sing to God, it doesn't matter how skilled you are. It doesn't matter how beautiful your voice is. God will despise your singing and he will despise your noise making. And that's exactly what God was saying to Israel through the prophet Amos when he said in chapter 5 and verse 23, take away from me the noise of your songs. Take away from me the melody of your harps. I will not listen to you. Do you see? Why? Because their hearts weren't right. Their hearts were not right. But if you, from a heart of joy, if you, from a heart of thanksgiving, filled with the Holy Spirit, express your praise and your worship to God through instruments and singing, I want you to know that He'll be pleased. He'll be happy with that. And just so you know, kids, this is really important. God likes it loud. Did you know that? God likes it loud. In 1st Chronicles chapter 13 verse 8, we read that David and all Israel were rejoicing before God how with all their might. They were singing as hard as they could. Psalm 33.3 3 says, Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with what? Loud shouts. If you go through the book of Revelation, you're going to find that all through the entire book, people are saying, people are declaring, people are singing in a loud voice. Don't be afraid to let your expression of praise to God be loud. Don't be afraid to let it out. Don't be afraid to let your expression of praise be loud before God. He's deserving. He's deserving of all of the might that you can muster. He's deserving of much more than just a half-hearted attempt. He's deserving of your most heartfelt praise. Don't be afraid to let it go. One pastor said to an old saint that came up to him and complained that the music was too loud. He said, "Uh, sister, if you think the music is too loud here, just wait until you get to heaven. Because God liked it loud. Friends, lift your voice, lift your voice and sing a new song. Play your instruments skillfully and offer loud shouts of praise. Give God the deepest and fullest expression of your praise and worship because there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. He is deserving of our praise. There is no one mighty like our God. Who but our God is deserving of your praise? He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all things. He lifts you up. He protects you. He guides you. He cares for you. Who is mighty like our God? There is no one like our God. And He deserves your very best expression and your greatest and most heartfelt expression of praise. Father, I thank You for Your mighty deeds. Lord, I pray that You would allow the heart of every believer in this room, everyone who comes to Root River Church on a weekly basis to be filled with the joy of our salvation. And I pray, God, that You would let it come out loudly and that You would let it come out in the most joyous and heartfelt praise to You. Let us declare your mighty works. Let us declare your great character. Let us declare our praise and our admiration for you, Lord. I pray that you would help us in our acts of worship and our acts of praise to make sure that everything is upward-focused, it's God-focused, and it's all about you. I pray that you would take each of us out of the picture. I pray that we would not be worried about what comes of other people's opinions of us, I pray, God, that you would allow us to sing and to praise and to make everything that we do an expression of a spirit-filled heart that is so overcome with joy that it couldn't stop from springing forward into loud praise and loud worship of a God who is far more deserving than we could ever.